Reitman University. Beyond the Classroom, where real life lessons unfold. With Nir Horowitz and Oren Nathan. How's it going, everyone, and welcome back to Beyond the Classroom, a show that we come together every week to hear different success stories from different industries, hoping to spark some sort of inspiration in you. Mental toughness. What is it? Today's speaker is someone that most of you might have heard before. If you were lucky enough, during our orientation week, you heard a glimpse of what his course, Mental Toughness Tools and Application, is all about. The managing partner of one of Israel's most prominent pre-army training programs, and the author of Breakfast with Kings, Doron Maman, it is a pleasure having with you us today. My pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure. How are you? I'm blown away right now. I'm looking at my voice bounce on the panels, literally talking just to see it bounce. No, I'm good. I'm good. This is, uh, this is cool. This is exciting. I sound much better on paper than I really am. See? It's kind of weird. You know, the first time you hear your voice, it's like when you sing. You sh- you sure, you're, sure, you're sure you sing well? I sing beautifully in the shower. That's where my singing you know? career ends. Uh-huh. We are super excited to have you today. My pleasure. And the first question is, what would you class yourself as? Right. A motivational speaker, um, an author. What do you class yourself as? That's um, tough. I'm giving a heads up to the listeners because I told you this before. I, I'm, I'm very good at letting people down. So I, I, I class myself as Doron because I, 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 don't, I don't know what I am. You know, a lot of people always, there's that question, what do you want to be? You know, what did you want to be when you grow up? Or what do you want to be when you grow up? I, I still don't know. Um, the first time I got into public speaking, I was like, wow, this is what I want to do. And I love this and so and so. But I'm so driven by so many different worlds. So, you know, I, I feel motivational speaker. It's it doesn't um, it doesn't give credit to the academic hustle that's been pushed behind it. I feel that teacher um, is is not appreciated. I think it's one of the most important jobs in the world. I think um, I'm still discovering what class I be, what I'm in. The field that I'm in is when people ask me, what do I do? I, I always answer the same thing. I say, I build warriors. Like I build people that I take people that know that they're going to face obstacles. And by the way, not I'm not talking about like IDF warriors it might be my business, but um, <clears throat> I'm not talking about IDF warriors. I'm warriors talking about, of life. Shit hits the fan. It's a guarantee. You have to know how to deal with what's going to come and move forward with it. And, and for that reason, we all need to be warriors. The problem is most people are, you know, complaining rather than moving forward with it. But that that's my field. That's my class. Anyone who needs to be a warrior in business, school, relationships, endeavors, whatever it is, like that that's where I want to be. That's what I do. And I'm learning more and more ways to be in those places. I see. And um, well, we'll, we'll go back to the start. You grew up in San Diego, that's right? right. Moved right. to Israel at the age of 17. Mm-hmm. With your family or alone? <laughs> it's a funny story. I was um when I was uh when I was seven almost seventeen, I was about sixteen, I, I heard about a program in Hoda Sharon that takes people that want to study in Israel and, and live here and whatnot. Um and I told my parents, Okay, I'm 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 leaving and they kinda got scared and they said, What are you talking about? I told them I'm I'm signing up for this program and they kinda laughed me off and then long story short, um I found myself being accepted second semester in tenth grade to come move here by myself. And my parents were both Israelis, so they said, you know, he'll never make it, he'll never <laughs> this. And w- w- once they saw that I had the plane tickets and everything was already happening, then they said, okay, we'll give it a chance. If it's good, we'll stay, and if not, we'll go. And then 17 years, 17 years later, I'm, I'm here, and, 
Uh, I'm happily married to Dani. I don't know if she's happily married to me. <laughs> and uh, and I have two uh, two boys, two ninjas, Arieli and Yerdeni. So you came at 17 years old, drafted to the army, yeah. I'm guessing, as a lone soldier. Uh, unofficial lone soldier. Because uh, okay. my, my parents were here at the time, and then mo- a lot of the service, they were out of okay. here. and then So not exactly, but yeah. And how do you describe your army experience? <laughs> oh, wow. Um it was hard um, I, I'm, I'm always very happy when people come and tell me that they had a great service and it meant so much to them my, my army service was um, enjoyable isn't a word that I would, uh, that I would say um, a lot of uh, I, I, served in a, I served in two different units I served in a unit called uh, 669 I was there for a, a bit more than a year a year and a month and then after that um, I was uh, moved from the unit, and I served in a different unit called Palchan Givati, and um, I really got to experience different sides of the army, and uh, and for me it was it was just mostly an eye-opening experience. I was uh, in Hebrew say Yered Shamenet im Kapit Zav like I had everything, and you know everything came super easy, and then all of a sudden the army you get put in this crazy situations, you know whether they be social, political, um, it, uh, personal, interpersonal with people. And um, and I had a very, very hard time. By the way, uh, something a lot of people don't know at least is that the reason why I'm in the fields that I work is because of the hard time and struggles and challenges that I experienced in the army. Like that that was a big, big thing that people, do, people don't see that. Um, it, it, it like that was a big kick in the butt that when I was released I said if someone gave me more tools if someone taught me if someone told me that everything's about to blow up in your face then I, I would have come and I think I would have done much I, I think I would have had a different uh, service in regards to what would have actually happened not necessarily in the quality but uh, yeah it's interesting I mean you you would have reacted to things differently I mean that's a huge part of I mean, in, in mental toughness, one of the, there's something called the five C's of mental toughness, and I talk about, you know, how we have different things. Uh, wh- one of the C's, maybe the most important C, is, is the C of control, right? And it goes back to stoicism, which if anyone doesn't know what it is, I highly recommend follow uh, Ryan Holiday on Instagram, on YouTube, read any of his books. He's, he's a very sharp man. Anyways, it goes back to stoicism, which is a Greek-Roman philosophy that talks about how nothing is in your control aside for how you decide to respond to what happens to you. And... This was something, you know, we're so driven to have this illusory control, which is complete bullshit. You have no control over anything. The stress, the anxiety, the worry, the pain, the, all, all the terrible things that we experience in this world are a function of us wanting to have control when we don't have it. And it's something that I never understood. Again, it brings me back to why I'm studying what I'm studying, doing what I'm doing, teaching what I'm teaching, and, and growing in the way that I want to grow to, to learn how to separate ourselves from that control in order to learn how to respond in a better way. It's something I didn't have in the Army, and it's something that I'm working every single day to get better at now. You finished the Army with all these experiences, and how, when did you understand that you want to go into the field of psychology? Did your undergrad here in psychology? I, I mean, look, I, I always loved psychology. I was As a kid, I always lo- I loved talking to people. I loved listening to stories. And, and, um, and again, like I, I'm, I, I'd never read a book in my life until I got into the army, which is very funny because now I love reading like any chance I get, like I read a book. Um, I haven't gotten into audiobooks yet after trying that, but, um, I, I really tried to, as I tried, I, I really wanted to, uh, understand how people think. Like, I think, 
I think, I, I truly believe that's one of the biggest vantage points that degree in psychology gives you. Like, you know, we always used to joke about it in our first degree that one day we'll finish our degree and we'll be, uh, we'll be certified to mop floors at McDonald's. Because a degree in psychology these days doesn't really give you much. Never heard of that one. Uh, well, that's what we used to say all the time because it doesn't give you much. But there are very few people. I'm I'm proud to believe that I'm I'm in those in that quality of people that are just driven to understand how people think, driven to become more critical thinkers, driven to understand what drives behavior in different ways. And when you understand that, like. Like again, like you have so many vantage points in business and relationships and, and anything you decide to take on. So if I remember correctly, I sat in, in one of your lectures at the beginning of the semester and I think what you said, you talked about the difference between resilience mm. and willpower. No, resilience and mental toughness. Okay. Right. So, so yeah. What is, what so, is the so, difference? So the question is, what is the difference? Because talking about myself personally, I feel like I'm someone who's very resilient, but then the mental toughness with certain things isn't there. It could be things that I want to do, things that I want to achieve, things could be smoking, for example. First of all, regarding resilience, resilience is a response, right? Resilience is you get kicked and you get back up. It's, it's a matter of how responsive are you to falling down. Mental toughness and again, this is what I find fascinating is that mental toughness has been researched so many times. But if you look in every single paper that's ever been written about mental toughness since um, since it was first discussed in the mid-early 50s until now, every single one says the same thing. There is no widely accepted definition for mental toughness. And one of the places that I'm trying to bring at least mental toughness is that the way that I'm discovering it through my research, through my course, through things that I'm doing, through my company is that um, mental toughness is about a person that has a certain value and it's become so strong, it's exceeded a certain threshold that once it's past that threshold, that it will drive a person to push through everything. As in, resiliency is a function of mental toughness, right? But again, it goes back to knowing what your core values are, which, again, this goes back to one of the biggest problems is that most people don't know what the, you know, what's the most important value to you. So it's a deep question. No, you should. Be, you've been practicing life for twenty some years. You should be able to, you know, sharp, you know, pull that out. And again, that's that's exactly the challenge. That if we can't look and acknowledge it in a moment, then then that's where we have to start from. And if a person can start any process from knowing what is his value, then those same obstacles, whether it be smoking, or relationships, or sports, or or whatever goal you decide to set for yourself, you're going to be thirty x better. But I feel like values are something that's constantly changing. So no, it's really interesting that you say that. So um, there's a whole academic side to values. Um, and in that academic side, one of the things they discuss is that between your late teen ages, between 16 and early 20s, you have a small window in life that your values are solidified, which is so interesting because you think about the army and you say, wow, the army really has that much more of an impact on people's life. Now, why is that important? Because your your values are solidified during those age that those that age group, and then from that age group on, pretty much every decision you'll make for the rest of your life is a direct function of those values, right? Now, it's not it's not so much that your values are changing, like your experiences are changing. Like, you know, I, I do a lot of things. I know I do a lot of things, but the hardest thing I've ever done in my life is be a parent. 
like this shit is fucking insane. Like I have no, I like I wish I could, I wish I could communicate this clear to my kids that my son comes to me and cries and goes, Abba, I'm hurt. Is that? And I want to look him in the eye and say, Yeah, Danny, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. But because I know what my values are, or at least because I, I believe that these are a certain set of values that that I'm reliant on, then it helps me dictate my behavior in a certain way. It helps me make this better decisions that are more in alignment myself with myself. When you know your values and your decisions are in alignment with your value, you feel fulfillment, you feel purpose, you feel mental toughness to deal with any shit that's going to come in your way. What kind of dark or negative consequences are there to the mental toughness side? Too, too many. That that you know that that's the thing. Like when I started my um. When I started all the research to, to start my path for the PhD, then I was meeting with mentors, and, and my current mentor today, Dr. Sharon Ariely, absolutely brilliant woman, she teaches in Hebrew University. Um, yeah, I was telling her, yeah, I want to study mental toughness, I want to do this, I want to do that. And she said, she goes, all right, well, what's the dark side of mental toughness? And I said, there is no. And she goes, no, no, the one, there's, there's no such thing. Like, there has to be a dark side. If there's no dark side, then I don't want to work with you. Like, there is no such thing. And, and then you start thinking about it, and you look at all the greats, right? You look at jobs. You look at Jordans, you look at the Oprahs, you look at anyone that's made it and crushed and gone beyond. And 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 there are similarities that they're blinded by their ambition and that no matter who's standing in their way, that they'll, you know, they'll they'll bull- bulldoze their way to get to where they want to get to. They're they're completely removed from, you know, what's happening in order to get where they want. They'll push so hard that even at their own physical or mental health or family's health that they'll get to where they want to get to. So yeah, even mental toughness needs to hit a certain balance. Um, and if anyone's really interested by that, I highly recommend. It's part of my course. If anyone is interested about the course next year, then uh, it'll open n- next October, probably, I hope. Um, but I ask all my students as a, as a as an assignment to watch the film Whiplash. If you've never seen it, it's absolutely amazing. Whiplash with, uh, with a drummer, with right? With a drummer. Mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. You see it and go... What price are you willing to pay to get what you want? And and that's the question that really separates the mentally tough from the other. Well, the the and jumping on from uh, the mental toughness, you are working with excellent. I'm a partner in the company. Yeah, managing partner. How long? For five years, but I've been in the industry since I made Aliyah. Like a week after I made Aliyah, I started training. Um, in a different company, and then I trained there for two years, and then I joined the army throughout my entire service. I came, I volunteered every weekend, and then I worked there for six years. I took a year off to run a startup, and then I came back. and I mean, I've been I've been doing this for a long time. How important is it to have this uh, training prior to the army and to really understand? I didn't have that. I when I came to Israel, I uh, I went I had straight. That. Yeah, I, I, I went straight I to the army. There you go. And you, so you tell me, how was it for you? How was it for me? I'll be honest with you, it was amazing. I think looking back to my army service, I also had, I'd say, quite a tough army service, um, but definitely prepared me. And I also think that there's certain things that I did there that were way harder than things that I did in the army. Because in the army, there's a lot of, uh, how do you say, you're doing a gibush, you're like in selection. Every half an hour, they have to give you a break. There's no rules. They do what they want to you for 25 hours and it's literally there. Like they're free. Right. So uh, I thought it definitely built me. It prepared me for the army. Um, and yeah, it was great. I think uh, I think also though, something you can train, you can practice as much as you want. 
and you will definitely get better preparing or, or getting prepared for the army, getting better with your mental tough, toughness and everything. But I think that's something that, that's also from within. So, I mean, look, there's definitely an inherent factor to mental toughness, but um, that's, a whole, that's a whole different discussion. About, and I fully agree with that. It's funny. I remember when I started, I, I, got, I would get excited, like, oh, I got a student that just passed uh, for Sayyid Matkar. I just got a, a few more students in ties. Another one, Shildag, Shaytit. And, and, you know, thousands of high schoolers have, have gone through this program. And I, th I think our company specifically, we have already over maybe seven or 8,000 alumni. Um, right now alone, we're tra training close to over 800 kids. Um, and at the same time, as time progresses and as I get older, and I tell this to their face, I have no shame. I tell them, I don't care where you serve. Like, I'll tell you more than that. I, I don't care. Like, 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 yeah, like you're going to come here and you're going to get like, we're going to tear you a new one and you're going to like be beaten up like you've never been experienced before. But I truly believe that we're building better people. We're building people that are going to face a sand dune, an obstacle, whether it's a family member that's sick, foot, 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 or it's a it's a venture that seems impossible, and just making better people like it's, like, starts there. It must it starts there. It's more than that. It's we're helping solidify these values that are going to change every decision that they'll make for the rest of their lives. We had a kid that um that went to Gibush Matkal a couple of years ago, and we didn't really we weren't you know we weren't he wasn't our high bet to pass, and he got Sheldag, and one of his parents reached out to us. And they started thinking, listen, wow, we're like, yeah, you know, you know, you're welcome. And this is like, no, you don't understand. You have just changed every single decision this kid will make for the rest of his life. Who he's going to marry, who he's going to hang out with, whether he'll go do a degree. And, and again, like, th like that's the powerful part of this work that, you know, it, it's, for me, it's super exciting that, and it happens quite a bit that I'll be walking around campus or throughout the country every now and again, someone will stop me and say, hey, Dolan, do you remember me? You were my instructor and, and sometimes I forget. Um, but at the same time, you see a person, you say like, wow, like, I, I believe that I had some kind of positive contribution to bring this person to where he was. I mean, that's where we want to be, I think. It is. And in terms of success, how, how, what is your definition of it? How has it changed over the years? Look, first of all, before that, you have to separate between success and victory. And I talk about this in every lecture. Like, this is one of my slides that I never give up. Victory is comparative. Owen runs faster than me. You got a higher grade than him. You know, whatever it might be. Success, by definition, I take from John Wooden. He's the most winning coach, one of the most winning coaches in the history of sports. He was a coach of UCLA. He says, um, success is peace of mind. Peace of mind and knowing that you've done everything you can to be the absolute best you can become. Any books that he's written, I highly recommend. But peace of mind, those, those are the three magic words. It means you go to bed at night, whatever your endeavor was, it was a test, it was a workout, it was a date, it doesn't matter what. And you close your eyes and, and just a moment before you go to sleep, you say, did I do everything I can to be the best? The best that I possibly, sorry, to be better than I was yesterday. Don't say the best. There's a whole reason why. To be better than I was yesterday. And if the answer is yes, go to sleep. If the answer is no, get your ass out of bed and do something. And like that's where the success is measured. That's a tip uh, I'm gonna take too. Yours. A, if you haven't done your math homework at, at twelve p.m., you know it's uh, get your ass out of bed and do some math. Yeah. How do you? Well, I asked you this morning, but uh, how do you stay inspired? How do you? What motivates you to keep going, to keep doing what you do? Uh, it's fine. I told you everything would change, right? Oof. Um. It. I'm. I'm really driven. Like I'm not even driven. Like 
I know who Doron was before who I'm becoming today. I don't say who I am because I'm always becoming. He he wasn't he wasn't a go getter. He wasn't a pusher. He was afraid of his own shadow. He was overweight. He was timid. A million different things. And I look left and right, and and when I see people that have like this awesome gift, like uh, we all have those people. You look at them and say like, wow, if this guy put a little bit harder work onto this skill, like he would absolutely crush it. And when I see those people that aren't putting the hard work in and they're sitting and they're rolling joints and spending their time on shit that isn't moving them forward, like, I lose it. I absolutely lose it. And I say, like, like I can't. I, I don't want them, like, I don't want them to forfeit this gift that they have in, in progressing others. And and that's what inspires me. It's not like I read this quote and I read this book that I feel all good about. and want, Like, I want to just, I just want to kind of grab them and say, like, no, no, like, no, no, like, get your shit together. You uh, this morning you told me about the uh, the three three stage process where you you know identify your why you hustle and you win or you learn right I I really resonate with that I think it's really important right I think failure is re- possibly redirection all right well, first of all let me say this that that uh, that method is a methodology that we put together in in uh, in our company excellent like every student knows this by heart it's written on the back of every single one of our students on all of their shirts. Um, and, and again, like it, it really starts tying in everything together. But I think you got to go deeper than that. Like you have to understand, hey, okay, know your why. And again, knowing your why is knowing what your values are. What is your driving value? Why is it here? Like what is the thing that's pu- going to push you far beyond that breaking point? And now once you've gone through that philosophical thinking, then you go into the hustle. And again, hustle, I, I think this is something that's just greatly underappreciated. It's that hard work is not enough to succeed in this world, right? People say, you know, all the... You always hear people come in and tell the success stories. Yeah, you got to work really hard. Today's world, that's that's not enough. Like there's um there's a great book by Sir Ken Robinson, most watched TED Talk in the history of TED. Great talk. Why school kills creativity. Anyways, in his book Out of Our Minds, he talks about how more people, sorry, the amount of degrees, the amount of bachelor degrees that will be distributed between the 12th century, not mistaken, the 12th century and 2010 is dramatically less than the amount of degrees that will be distributed between the year 2010 and 2040. And the reason why he says that, he says, because you're not, it's, it doesn't make you special anymore. Like my parents, if my parents had a first degree back in their day, they can be the, they can be the CEO of Google back in their time. Today, like I said, like uh, we used to joke about it, like a BA in psychology is like, oh, good, so you can mop our floors. And, and again, so hustle is what you're doing. So if I go back, hustle, right? Hustle is what you're going to do that others won't in order to succeed. And you really have to build a playbook. Like, what am I doing that others won't? Getting up early, reading books, working out. And then lastly, after all of that, it's um, win or learn, right? It's, you know, no more gray zones. It's, it's about being binary. Did you get the result you wanted? Awesome apply the lessons to be better for next time do you get the results you want no all right debrief 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 after every practice after every training after everything i do personally whether it's my course you know whatever it is i sit and i say okay how can i make it better no matter how good or how, or how bad it was irrelevant almost like you're a pilot in the air force well that's listen man good artists copy great artists steal <laughs> we've we've taken this from them a hundred listen every single pilot in the air force right they get off their plane they go, they grab a cup of coffee, go straight to the debrief room, and they sit and they debrief everything, right? Where, where um, I talk about this in the course. I think one of the coolest, most interesting uh, mathematical equations that I've adopted into my life is that better is greater than best. 
Better is greater than best. People say, I want to be the best. I want to be the best. Well, there's a problem when you're the best. When you're the best, you're at an end state. You have nowhere to grow from there. So you get off the plane and say, that was a great flight. I'm done. Better, like the pilots of the IDF, it doesn't matter how routine, how simple, how complicated their task was. They get off the plane and say, how can I get better? Right? It's never-ending growth. And it's something we talk about a lot in the course. It's like, it doesn't matter. How, like, even if you got 100, like, how can you still be better? And there, there has to be a way. There always has to be a way. I could have studied better. I could have eaten better. I could have taken the, I don't know, be more focused in class. What stops most people from being better? From being better? Fear. Fear of success, fear of failure. I mean, it's a shame because, like, look, this is this is not a lifestyle for all. All I can tell you plenty of times my wife looks at me and goes, Dawan, what the fuck are you doing up this early? Dawan, what the fuck are you doing up this late? Like, like go to sleep, wake up. Like, what are you doing? And, and again, like, it comes at a price. It comes at a price. And, and again, people aren't willing to pay that price. Think about it, you know, today if you want to go on a date, you just got to swipe left or right. You don't got to do anything aside from that. Like, swipe left or right. She said, yes, you don't got to deal with those personal butterflies that scare you to death of, oh my God, I'm going to go and ask her out or I'm going to ask him out, right? And and dealing with that fear, like, we'll do anything to hide. It's just built into us. Um, Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky, um, I would say two, but it's actually only one Nobel Prize winner. They were partners, but they don't give Nobel Prize people to people that died and Amos Tversky died shortly before they gave it to him. Anyways, they wrote Prospect Theory, right? Which is a Nobel Prize winning theory from 1994 to Israelis that say we are more driven to avoid pain than we are driven to attain glory, right? Which is why Advil sells more than vitamins, which is why people, which is why left and right you see pharmaceutical companies coming out with a million, million different kinds of, you know, pills to come and make your life easier theoretically, but it comes at a wicked, insane price. And uh, what kind of hobbies do you have? Hobbies. Um, it's important for me to spend as much time as I can with my kids, which is a very, very, very important and challenging thing. Um, starting this whole path of the PhD has honestly become my main hobby in the last year and a bit because it just, you know, time is, uh, I think that's something a lot of people don't appreciate. It's something I've been, I've been talking a lot about that, your most expensive resource is time because it doesn't matter how much money you have or how much power you have, you'll never be able to get back time that you lost. So at least for this next window of life, I, I've really decided to put my eggs in that basket. And if I manage to find a window aside from that, then I'm working out, I'm, I'm running, or I'm swimming, a lot of swimming lately, um, and hopefully reading whenever I get the chance. If you if you could go back, the one who just finished the army, who just went through this hard experience and give yourself one piece of advice what would it be say yes then find out how like again like i think that's that's something that's really been directing my life for the last six seven years um it's kind of like that movie yes man like the guy says yes to everything and then he generates so many opportunities like people like we have to start saying yes much more and uh and we say no because of fear of failure and fear of success and bunch of other little reasons in the middle but 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 um you know first say yes then find out how um once you've already said yes you're already committed then you have to make moves and, and the goal is ultimately get to a place that you've generated such fruitful or and potential experiences that you can start saying no because you want to go all in on one of those other moves and and that's a window that i'm starting to close in on now in life that i'm and i'm 34 yeah like 
it, it's taking time like it's it's that patience that comes with it so wow was there a moment a defining moment that you felt that was i don't want to say your biggest challenge i'm sure everyone faces challenges but a setback and that you felt that was very defining in your professional career and your career as i don't know a family man um as a father i mean yes and yes and yes and yes and endless yes is like to the 17th power like it just i mean could you describe one how was it were you always this outgoing and like t- talkative and confident no 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 i mean i was i was confident as a kid and then i lost it and, and a lot of things happened and um I, i don't think that my story is that unique or special in the, in that regards but but when i was in the army there was um there was one incident that i was uh that i experienced like this hardcore shaming that was it, it wasn't in place it was it wasn't done in good taste it was it was out of line and and as a function of it i remember uh speaking to my mentors and my family members and at that point everyone saw me like look the one like die like you you've you've proven your point like you're not that fat un- not confident kid anymore like you you know you're so much more than that like you've proved your point you don't have to keep going and then that was the point that i said okay now i'm going like now i'm going to go hard i'm not going to quit i'm 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 going to go harder and it doesn't matter how much the odds are against me and i pushed i pushed i pushed until it brought me to the point that the governing body wasn't able to make me say i quit and they were, they had to get to the point where they said okay like this is the place that we can't let you keep going more than here and and that was a very definitive moment that to this day like i look back on and say like yeah like go back to that the one like if you if you overcame that then okay you'll get through this you'll how do how do most people find that inner strength that confidence the the drive to to do that because i know a lot of people they they're they're not confident in themselves they don't believe in themselves and you see all these you hear all these stories you see all these videos of people you know youtube is packed with these videos of people doing these life-changing things if it's working out if it's starting a business becoming a youtuber how do how do how do you get yourself to get up look you you don't you don't find it you build it right i think i think that's the big thing that people are confused about you don't find it you build it right like it's like saying like how do you get in shape you sweat to push-ups you run you get up earlier because you don't have time you eat healthy like you have to build this culture building this culture is it, it it's a commitment it's a drive it's it's finding the right tools and, you know i always talk about in the beginning of my lecture i do this funny exercise with the hands and forward backwards and whoever was in the lecture i'm sure you remember but one of the things that that i always say is that look i believe that everyone has the desire i don't believe that everyone has the tools and if you have all the desire in the world but you don't have the right tools then what is it worth it's like taking a, a nail and wanting to put it in the wall but instead of having a hammer you have a teaspoon you know it doesn't help, help you you need the right tools so find the right tools find the right mentors and 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 be ready to to work man it's 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 building it's not finding anyone who looks for it is going to he's not going to find anything say yes you know i was going to ask you just now about like a piece of advice for Owen and myself you know most people our age are trying to find their uh their way their purpose their path so am i i have no idea again like you know what call the i don't know if you have titles for the episode but call this the title i have no idea what i'm doing don't my man like i don't know like don't, don't you know don't believe the hype you know people that come and say you know you should do that like it's funny but like when you talk to people about these things and you hear a lot of like these cliche messages like 
you know, follow your dreams, which I don't believe in following your dreams. It's a whole different podcast, but follow your dreams and, and believe your cause and, and work hard. And like, there's more, there's, there's so much more. There's such a deeper level. And, and there is no one road that leads to Rome. Like, like you just have to be committed to the path. A lot of people forget that Nike was not originally Nike. Nike's original name. Do you know what it was? No. Blue Ribbon Sports. Right. Great book. Phil Knight's Shoe Dog, the founder of Nike. Amazing book. Anyways, it was Blue Ribbon Sports. And before it was Just Do It, the slogan, it was there is no finish line. Right. And and like to this day, I'm saying, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing right. I'm not going to sit there. I think we talked about it before that who moved my cheese. Right. If there's one, if there's any business students listening, maybe the most important book I'd recommend to, for you to read is Who Moved My Cheese by Dr. Spencer Johnson. He said he talks about how, um, you know, there's four kinds of people in this world, those who wait for things to happen, those who something else, something else, and those who go out and hustle and look for it. Like the experiences, the skills, the journey, the, the laughs, the failures, the, the stories that you'll tell one day on someone else's podcast are discovered when you go out on this path and saying, I, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing. And there's no and there's no shame in that. If you know what you're doing, then you're probably on your way to being far more successful than I am, which is good for you. But if you don't, then don't do nothing. Like do, you know. I I live. I really believe in being comfortable where you're uncomfortable. Take yourself out of your comfort zone and, and yeah, tr- and try and and um. And we talked about how, how's the next way to do it? Ice baths. Ice bath. Ice baths. It's uh. Shit's fucking crazy. It's it's hard, you know. I actually I follow this guy on social media. He does. He lives in the UK and he does an ice bath every morning. And you know, I'm sure the weather there is much worse than here. And him getting into that ice bath, I look at it and I'm like, wow, how how does he do it? You just do it. You listen, like it's funny. Like the um, follow Primo Spiritus if you're in Israel and you want to go do an awesome ice bath seminar. They do it in Hilsidia once every couple of weeks. I think it's like 200 shekels. We bring our students to do it as well. And and like listen, like this is awesome stuff. Like putting yourself in a position like you know we talk about getting in the uncomfortable when you go into an ice bath every single vein every single neurotransmitter in your body just screams get the hell out of the water but to convince yourself to get in and then you sit for three minutes and you have to regulate your breathing you have to calm your thinking you sit there for three minutes in waters that are somewhere between one to three degrees celsius that builds that builds mental muscle more than you can imagine i love that well we'll finish with a quote that you live by you told me it's gonna be a hard one, but uh, yeah, I know. I said I, I don't think I said something about the five people before, but I'll go different ways. Um, uh, I I I always like to grab the student in the practice that's like suffering the most, like an um an Yeah, like I grab the student, like he's like suffering, he's like oh don't want, I can't, this is so hard, I want to go home, and he will touch like please, like leave me alone, I don't want to be here anymore. And I tell him always the same thing, say, don't worry, it's only gonna get harder. And, and I and and always the first response is like this little giggle, this laugh, and then they see I'm serious, and then I explain. If you are not worried, and you understand that some everything, the position you're in is only going to get harder, then that means you have the internal tools and resources to deal with whatever's coming your way. And I think that's the place that we have to be in: the understanding that the game of life, school, relationships, parenting, whatever it is you're facing, it's only going to get harder. But if you're not worried, then that means you have either you're crazy, which I hope you're not the case. But, but in my opinion, it means that you have the right tools, the right values, the right level of mental toughness to overcome that obstacle. And if you were given that challenge, then I believe you do. No, I like that. I like that quote. The other one for those listening is uh, you are the average of the five people you spend most time with. But that's Tim Ferriss's. Yeah. I took it from him. You took it from him. 
Anyway, guys, um, for those who didn't know about mental toughness, about how deep it is, how interesting, and how important it is for people who will want to succeed today, Doron's course is going to be available next October. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. Well, we hope so. I, I'm literally in the final weeks of my first round of this. Uh, but if not, feel free to meet me. Grab me for a cup of coffee. Honestly, guys, the most down-to-earth person you'll meet. I, I, yeah, I went right. up to him after hearing yeah, his, right. after, after hearing his, uh, his talk a few months ago. And I, I instantly knew that that's it. I have to bring him on this podcast. Um, it really was a pleasure having you here. My I think it, well. I think this is such an important topic that a lot of people my age are facing, right? And are mo- I think want to uh, overcome it. My age too. Um, thank you for listening, guys. This has been Beyond the Classroom, a show that we come together to inspire you, hope to inspire you, and hope that you guys learn new things every week. I've been your host, Nir Horowitz, my co-host, Oren Nathan, and Doron Maman. Once again, thank you for coming. Of course. Beyond the Classroom, where real life lessons unfold, with Nir Horowitz and Oren Nathan. All our shows and podcasts available online on our website and on all podcast platforms. Search Audioversity 